the free for all roundtable brought to you by lexus avon canada's newest lexus dealer near canada's wonderland in the maple auto mall luxury is closer than you think round one on round one jerry agar is here from the jerry agar show 10 to noon right here on the mighty 1010 deb hutton former advisor to two premiers often heard hosting the rush as a matter of fact deb yesterday i was on the rush with you along with michael corin and uh, tim hudak was there in honor of family day it was great. You guys had a good time. You didn't end up strangling each other like uh, Bart and uh, his dad. No, that's not really our thing so far, anyhow. Okay, Scott Reed is here, political commentator with CTV and News Talk 1010, former advisor to Prime Minister Paul Martin. Let's start with the investigative report I was referring to a couple of minutes ago, and that is more than a thousand offenses that were assessed against by traffic cams against police cars and police vehicles. And Jerry, it's easy to say, well, I'm sure they were all racing to an emergency, but apparently not all of them were. Is it a problem? Well, yeah, it's a problem because some of them, and uh, there's an individual who got more than one ticket, uh, by the way, in two days in a row, who was a parking enforcement officer. The parking enforcement officers are not required Shapiro, to put the lights on and rush to uh, to a parking in, uh, infraction. Um, if, if, in fact, I call the police because somebody's breaking into my home, I would prefer they get there in less than 22 minutes and that the officer on the way is speeding and shouldn't get a ticket for that. But uh, a much of this article talks about police officers who just speeding because probably they think they can get away with it. And I think if they do it on a serial basis, I would wonder whether they possess the moral character to be a cop. Deb Hutton, Jerry's absolutely right about, yeah, I want people to go as fast as they possibly can if it's an emergency. I really would not want a police cruiser headed to an assault and going, oh, it's 30K. Okay, we're just going to do this. But clearly, a lot of these people are just a lead foot, even when they're not actually headed to a job. Yeah, and that's what lights and sirens are for, to get you there and to say to people, move out of the way, I'm in a hurry to get to something important. 59 kilometers for one officer in a school zone at pickup time. When we finish here at 8, I'm heading to our school to do a kiss and ride. I am telling you, it is so unbelievably dangerous for people to be speeding in a school zone. This is someone that we pay, the, the group of officers that, that are cited in this report, we pay them to enforce the law. The least they should be able to do is uphold the law themselves. Scott, are we ganging up on the cops just because people do that? Wow. Welcome to hard-ass corner. My gosh. (laughs) You sound surprised, Scott. Yeah, big shocker. Um, Like... you know, I I think that the police should obey the speed limits and all that kind of stuff. Sure. I don't think it means that their moral character is beyond question. And by the way, there's lots of other reasons that policemen might find their moral character being questioned. So I, I'm just not that wound up about it. I do, however, make an exception for parking enforcement. If parking enforcement is speeding to the destination where they think they can then knock me with a ticket for parking illegally, I think they should be forced to pay twice or possibly even have their vehicle impounded immediately. But with the exception of of parking uh, enforcement, I they get the fine, they pay the fine. Uh, you know, unless they're like a whack serial offender, get twenty of them in three years. I just don't think that we should be, uh, you know, hammering down on them any harder than anybody else. Yeah, I mean, I always say I have no objection to traffic cams so long as we are enforcing reasonable speed limits. And some of the thirty in a school zone, great. While school's in session, if these guys got tickets at midnight in a school zone for going forty on their way back to the uh, uh, 
police headquarters, I'm not a big fan. By the I, way, my comment uh, about the moral character was not about somebody who gets a speeding ticket. All kinds of people get speeding tickets. I have as well. If you want to fire me, go ahead. But uh, I'm talking about this sort of serially just day after day getting these tickets. Like, that's a guy who just doesn't care about the law. Queen's Park is back in session today. Deb Hutton, you've spent time at Queen's Park, so I'll start with you. What do you see ahead? And I think most importantly, we had a conversation at 7.05 with Sabrina and Angie from Queen's Park Observer, and the theme was basically that with 10 weeks off, maybe we've forgotten about how badly things were going for this administration, and they get to restart. Well, the Liberals and Mart Stiles is going to try and make sure that we don't forget. And they're going to dredge up not issues of affordability, I don't think, but, you know, what they'll call crap and corruption. And that's their prerogative. And that's often the way an opposition acts. It's not what I would recommend for Mart Stiles. And it sure isn't what I'd recommend for the Liberals. However, the government's job is to actually try and and get you to turn the page to say, uh, as Minister Peter Bethlehem Falvey did when he joined us yesterday on The Rush. This is about affordability and housing, and here's the proof that we're actually moving forward on those files. We'll see which side wins. Yeah, Scott, I don't know if it necessarily amounts to goodwill, but I think most people are perfectly content to let this government uh, motor along. They're not, you know, they don't have the level of indignation they do about the feds. Sometimes they make this too easy. Their big signature piece of legislation they're gonna be introducing is called Get It Done. But most of their major initiatives that they're going to be pursuing are undoing the legislation on dividing up Peel, right? Undoing Bill 124. It's get it undone, right? They're cleaning up messes from previous things. Look, I, I agree with you. The truth of the matter is there's not been a case for change made in Ontario yet, but they're halfway through the second term of this government. That's often where things start to term. Turn. They've got the RCMP investigation, whether it comes down or not, one way or the other. That's hanging over them. And they got a new opposition leader in Bonnie Crombie. I just I think this is going to be a more interesting session of the legislature than people are giving it credit for. Because if things are going to go bad for Doug Ford, I think it's probably going to be in this session. I think between now and June is a place where they kind of put oil on the water and calm things down or things start to get really choppy for Ford. Okay. Cherry. Well, anything could happen in the future, but I don't know why you're saying things have been bad for them. I'm just looking at the latest uh, numbers here from 338 Canada, and the Conservatives in Ontario are sitting at 38%, and in second place, the Liberals at 27, and it gets worse for the other parties. They're not in bad shape. No, they're not. Electorally, they're not in bad shape, but they had a rough year. I mean, the green belt did not exactly break in their favor. No, but it doesn't matter. I think that I really truly believe that the average uh, member of the public doesn't care about the green belt. They care about housing. So I thought I was sorry that Ford backed off on that. I think he was going in the right direction. Ontario is going to face a critical shortage of home care workers as boomers age. Now, I have pointed out numerous times today, as I did in conversation with the head of the association that commissioned this report, they're responsible for hiring and promoting the interests of home care workers. But set that aside for a moment, I think it's undeniable if we want people to age in place that we're going to need more home care workers. Scott? The world works according to incentives. So if this is a demographic challenge we're facing and a problem that's inevitable, one of two things has to happen. We have to make it more attractive and pay people better to become personal service workers. Or 
or we're going to have to create incentives for people to not age. One of those things is going to have to become a bigger priority in our society because folks is getting older. Fine. I'll die early. All okay. right. You, you, oh, my God. Music to my ears, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> there is that weird-ass guy in the States who's trying not to age. I don't know if you've come across him yet. Oh, he's insane. He's creepy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Deb. Well, after that exchange, I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> but um, listen, I've got news for you. Uh, when my mom passed away and my dad had early stage dementia, I had to find home care 24-7. We don't have a crisis coming. We're in a crisis now. This isn't a this is going to happen. It is a problem today. Every single one of our listeners who has ever tried to get any amount of care for their loved ones will tell you it is a huge disaster. So Scott's point that we either have to pay better, I would argue set some standards so it's actually a, a profession as opposed to something that people do because they they don't know what else to do uh this is really a huge huge issue and in my view it's more important than talking about whether nurses are paid in the private or public sector by private dollars or profit dollars because if you get the psw situation right you're actually taking pressure off the hospitals in a very meaningful way let's stick with uh elders for a moment there's a feature we put in the pack this morning about uh, using virtual reality visors in a florida seniors home now i'm sure this is happening all over the place, but in this home, they decided to document whether or not people felt better about things after they had done things like flown a plane or walked the streets of Paris. Um, Jerry Agar, it's kind of a no-brainer, I think, that uh, people are going to be happy to be immersed in another experience. Well, sure. I mean, they're just immersed in experiences. They've got something to do. If you wake up in the morning and you're at a home and you have nothing to do except maybe bet on how long it takes Ida to make that down the hallway, uh, then you've got a, an experience like this might be thrilling for a while. Um, they may have to find other things as well, but it just we need experiences during the day. We need our minds to be active. Interesting philosophical arguments, Deb, have been raised about these fake towns, mostly in Scandinavia, where people engage in day-to-day day activities, but they have dementia. So, for example, they'll go to a fake bank and trade fake money. Uh, I don't know if that necessarily applies in this case with the VR. Well, but Jerry's 100% right. It doesn't matter whether it's high tech or low tech or no tech at all. We need to make sure that our seniors and, and anyone who is alone or lonely has something to engage their brain. So whether it's an old school puzzle or whether it's VR, uh, one of the most uh, engaging things for my dad, for whatever reason, and I know there's research on this, was to fold the laundry. And so our caregivers would go and, you know, basically unfold the towels in the linen closet and ask my dad to fold the towels. It kept him engaged. It gave him a sense of, of purpose and of accomplishment. So this is just a higher tech version of it, regardless of what experience it puts you in. How many people are listening today wish they could have borrowed your dad every day? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, you guys. This is Creep City. Like, they're going to plug these old folks in and leave them there in this kind of narc Coleptic VR sleep while they like, you know, and and you guys are talking about, oh, they're going to fly a plane, they're going to do that. Check out human nature and what the internet's actually used for, okay? I personally don't want to be found dead at the age of 89 with my pants around my ankles at the VR Caligula Club. No, thank you. Well, uh, uh, Pornhub porn is going to uh, disconnect Canadians, so you're I being, heard that. Yeah. 
So Where guys are, like you, Scott, are going to be safe. I don't want to sound That's overly, fine. I'm oh, moving to the United States. I don't want to sound overly concerned, but when is that going to happen? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Breaking news. Can we update on that? I think there's some TMI going on here. There is. This is a pretty racy segment today. Uh, some stats from Stats Canada are about people's personal happiness. I have no idea why somebody decided to frame this through a real estate lens, because the headline is about how renters are less happy than homeowners. But Scott, I'll start with you on this one. Um, there's a lot of takeaway in these few short paragraphs, and mostly it seems people aren't particularly happy or hopeful. Well, they're really focusing in on renters and in particular younger people. And so I think they're capturing something more important than just renting versus home ownership. I think, you know, they're capturing kind of a generational angst that's really pronounced, right? I, I've got a 25-year-old and a 21-year-old. They're both in, you know, condos downtown Toronto. And as I've joked on the radio before, their big plan for home ownership is that the old man dies. And they are, they, they, it, you know, they kind of get pushed out. They're paying extraordinary amounts of money. They work in go to school here in the city so they want to do that and then you know they it's like one year and then they're getting like jacked up on their rent they're getting it's just it's a miserable existence so i'm not surprised that people are unhappy deb what do you think well, apparently their dad's not going to pass away till 89 with his pants around his ankles, so they've got a long way <laughs> yeah, so to tough wait. Luck, kids. <laughs> exactly. Listen, we've had this conversation before, and, and I, you know, my kids are younger, so I take Scott's point. He doesn't have lazy bums for boys, that kind of thing. But I do think that there is an element missing right now with uh, a younger generation. I'm going to sound like the old fuddy-duddy, but you know, if you don't like your situation then do what you can to change it. I, I have a, a friend's daughter who complains about always being broke, and yet she takes an Uber to and from her part-time job every day. And I said, what's wrong with transit? You live in the city of Toronto. It's part of the reason you live in the city of Toronto. Well, it takes too long. Like, come on, people. Make some decisions. There are consequences to every decision we make. Some are good, some are bad. And so make a different decision if you don't like the bad consequences. Honestly, I, I just, I feel like there's a need to have everything handed to people and that it needs to be easy. And here's, here's news. It's not. Life's not easy, people. Okay, boomer. You're going to hear that clip on my show later. And by the oh, way, geez. no, I agree with you, but I but then stand back as the phones start to ring. Can I note that this is the first panel I've chaired where two people threatened to die. Catch the round table, round one at 745, round two at 845, weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.